Blog Talk Radio. Kingway sucks beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Mike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hard. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Cedar's cat, Kempak's cat, Q is sad, enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Hey, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that song, which is awesome, by the way. I have to admit, I had fun writing it, and I hope Eric had fun singing it. Eric, I hope. (laughs) Mm, mm, Yes, I sure did. Yeah, I was. It was fun, and uh, that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me, as usual, are my Trek experts. And we already heard from Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. I must admit, I still kind of rock my head uh, when that song plays because, man, it sure was fun to record, and we had fun kind of going back and forth trying to get it just right. And I'm I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Uh, weather here is nice yep. and cool. Spring day. Or like late winter, it's very nice. I love living in Portland. It's almost always nice. Yeah, I wish I could <laughs> say that about about Vermont. So uh, we also have with us Charles, and uh, Charles is out in Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? Uh, doing good. We're enjoying. Open my phone loads up. I think low sixties, mid sixties today. Looking at some 60s for a little while, the wind coming in. Then the best writing is like, oh, let's get cold next week. We're going to have to there to survive with 70s. I'm not sure I can handle it. Oh, well, trauma. You, you want to hear, <laughs> hear something really, really sad, Charles? It's been there in the go. teens here. <gasps> and with the wind chill, it's been like well below zero with the wind chill. Uh, and last week, uh, last week it, it hit 40. 40. Oh. I drove home from work with my windows down. It was like a heat wave. <laughs> went and, I oh, came home and I said to my wife, pool. oh my God, it's beautiful. It's 40 degrees. Open the windows. Let's get some fresh air in the house at 40. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, I can torture Jim. You get desperate. I came, I came home and said, you know what? I feel like doing a little gluing. I sat on the patio and enjoyed the 66-degree weather and glued some models. Ooh, pretty nice. Well, you know, a, a, a quick funny story. We went out to California when my daughter graduated from, uh, from uh, high school. We took her out to Universal. She wanted to swim with the dolphins, so we went out to uh, 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 Discovery Cove and whatnot. We went during President's Week, um, which here, when we left here, it was 22 degrees with 10 feet of snow. You couldn't even see my house. It was crazy. We get, to, we get out to uh, Florida, and uh, they said it was cold. 
okay? So we get to the hotel, and it's, oh, 65, 66, 67-ish, not quite 70. We're in the pool. These people are running around in hats and coats and gloves saying that it's freezing. And I'm sitting in the hot tub underneath the palm tree thinking, oh, this is the life, baby. Don't get much better. So it's it. a matter of perspective, I guess. You know what I'm it saying? Is, yeah. It's a matter of it perspective. <laughs> so anyways, guys, we've, we've talked about the weather. We have a great show for you guys tonight. Our phone number here is the same that it has always been, a 646-668. Two four three three. We'll be with you live until nine thirty tonight. So give us a call six four six 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 eight two four three three, and we're going to be talking about some really really excellent TNG episodes that focused on the Romulans. We're going to be talking about two in particular. The first one's going to be the Defector, and the second one is going to be Face of the Enemy. So you guys want to. Hang around for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to remind you guys that next week we have an extra special show. Next week we have a great show planned for you guys. Uh, As we've been saying, Star Trek Attack Wing is back, baby! Yeah, baby! And we have a brand-new cooperative game called Alliance, the Dominion War Campaigns. And joining us live next week on the show, we're going to have Eric Sievers from the Da Vinci's Watch and Alliance game designer Josh Durkin. And they'll be here live to talk about the game and answer your questions. So if you're a Star Trek Attack Wing fan, or maybe you've been wanting to get into the game and you never have, maybe you've heard about it and you want to know more about it, maybe you're a seasoned player and you want to call and share some some of your thoughts, some of your builds, some of your ideas, uh, this is the show for you. Next Thursday, you want to be here for that. And, of course, the number is 646-668-2433. And we're going to be having a lot of fun with Star Trek Attack Wing. So mark that on your calendar, please, and join us here live. So uh, usually we start off the show. And uh, we start off with our numbers. We kind of we kind of go around the globe with our numbers. Uh, we didn't we didn't quite break the forty thousand. I was hoping you guys would help us break forty thousand. But you know what? That's okay. We we've, we've been hanging really tight to two thousand new uh, people a week, and so yeah. we didn't get to wow. the forty. We only got to thirty nine thousand. But that's all right. That's cool. 2,000 a week is a great, 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 great number. So we're hanging tight at a little over 39,000. So I'm sure by the time we get to next week's show with the tackling, we'll break that 40,000 mark. So thank you for joining us. And you can find us at facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond. Go there, give us a like, give us a follow, and become part of our family. We'd love to have you. So, uh, Eric, what do you say we, we go around the globe and we start off with our numbers? I think that's a fantastic idea, Jim. So this week, as always, about three-quarters of our listeners come from the USA, where we broadcast from. But in our number one slot for international listeners, breaking that 5% barrier at 5.04% of our listeners, they are coming from the UK. Wow. Thank you all so much over there in the UK. I can't believe how many you listen to us. It's amazing. And I 
we all feel so honored to have so many people who are downloading the show, commenting on the Facebook page. It's great to have everyone from the UK along, and there you are, 5% of our listeners. That's a very substantial amount, so thank you so much. In our number two slot, just like just a tiny couple of hundredths below 4% is Australia. Our number two spot is filled with Australia with 3.98% of our listeners this week, so thank you all to the folks down under. In our number three international spot, we have our brothers and sisters to the north, with 3.05% of our listeners, Canada. They are up from last week, too. So you'll notice that all these international numbers are going up a little bit, which is really fun. In our number four spot, we have Norway with 2.67% of our listeners, almost identical to what they had last week. Thank you so much, all the folks in Norway who are listening and downloading our show. And in our number five slot, I believe they came in just last week, and here they are hanging tough. Spain with 1.17% of our listeners. Uh, thank you to every single one of our listeners, whether they are international, whether you are international or domestic. We appreciate every single one of you all. Right, Jim? Yes, we do. We love each and every one of you guys, and we, we couldn't do the show without you guys, and we, I, I can't say enough how much we appreciate you guys, and that's what brings us to our next segment. Not only do we like to give out our international numbers, but we have a lot of listeners that don't make the international list, and that's where this part of the show comes in. Head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means that I, I picked your name, and we're going to give you a fan shout-out on the show. And so this is our fan shout-out section. And, uh, Eric, why don't you start us off with our fan shout-outs for this week? Oh, I'm excited about our fan shout-outs this week. My first fan uh-huh. shout-out this week goes to Helena Bozic from Croatia, who gives us a little live long and prosper hand after that. So thank you, Helena, for listening to us. That's so cool to have somebody from Croatia. Wow. Uh, my next shout-out goes out to Johan Smith, who's from Sweden. Hello, Johan, and thank you for listening. He says... Star Trek Discovery is my favorite franchise. Doug Jones and his character Saru is my favorite in the series. Doug Jones does the role so damn good. Uh, I completely agree with you, Johan. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for saying what needed to be said. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I I agree. Also listening to us this week is Patricia O'Hagan Crosby, Bronx born and raised, but now an elderly longtime resident in England. I've loved the Star Trek world since the 1960s. Patricia, are you one of our listeners in the UK? I bet you are. Thank you so much for listening to us. Hope you listen live. Okay. This, download our show. That's just as good. Yeah. What you got? This next one, this next one, you can skip <laughs> this next one if you want to. Or, no, no, or no, this, you can give it a shot. You can try it. No. I wouldn't even know how to begin, but if you want to give it a shot, please, please do. So, uh, this is pretty funny, folks, because we, I would love to give a shout-out to this person. There are many, many letters in their name that are not in the English language, and I do not know how to pronounce things like Lambda and uh, Alpha and things like that. So I think we have someone from Greece. Uh, so Greece, it, it's, your name starts with what looks like an English N-I-K, Nikos something or other from Thessaloniki, Greece. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Live long and prosper, everyone, wherever you are, they say. And we're very sorry that we couldn't pronounce your name. (laughs) Uh, Karen Christine Jorgensen, 
Do we know each other? You're from Portland, Oregon. You say you're a Trekkie from the very beginning. That's so cool. I wonder if we've crossed somewhere, uh, maybe at the game shop or something. Not sure. But Karen, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, and oh, and then uh, yeah, we had another comment from Karen Christine Jorgensen. Uh, she actually built a, uh, her sister once upon a time built a model of the Enterprise that hung over her bed back in 1964. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, all right. All right, Charles, I who's on? Oh, think, go ahead. I don't think she did it in 64. Because I don't think we had a copy of the Enterprise till 65 or 66. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd, I'd believe that. Well, that's so cool. Yeah, that's, I don't think they did one for the case. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. All right, Charles, well, let's continue our celebration of our fans here. All right, well, we've got Laura Lalu from Sweden, Diana Harrington from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Just finished watching Star Trek The Next Generation again on Netflix. I find the series just as relevant as relevant and, revel, yeah, and entertaining now as when it first aired. Also love Discovery. I agree with you, Diana. Bravo, Diana. We got top fan Jim Nelson. Originally from Elgin, Illinois. Elgin, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. And then Wichita, say, and, and then Wichita, and then Trek across. Yeah. And Trek halfway across under Impulse Ballard near Alexandria, Virginia. Jim we got, yes, I do know about the S in Illinois because yeah, I've got Jim, a father who was born in Illinois. Jim was commenting Marcus that the Moller. S in Illinois is silent, so we were just giggling at that, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus Moeller from uh, Cologne, Germany. I like Star Trek so much. My favorite species are the Romulans. Yeah, Marcus. Oh, you must be loving these Romulan shows. Uh-huh. Then I got Eddie Daniels from Tampa Bay. We're going to win at <laughs> uh, Parisi Square this year, too. Oh, okay, man. You've got for it, Eddie. <laughs> we need a Parisi Square team. Gotta, That'd be fun. <laughs> I, I got to spend more time studying to remember how to play it. Mm-hmm. But Jim, who's an expert <laughs> of Parisi Squares, has a few more fans that he wants to talk about. Oh, don't you know it? We will be victorious. Um, <laughs> so, we want to say uh, uh, hello, Kapla, and thank you for listening to Mary O'Leary Davis, who says, I'm from Michigan. I only work in outer space. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know what I like? Our listeners this week gave us comments, which, which I think is great, um, mm-hmm. if yeah. you guys noticed. Um, yeah, totally. We have a lot I of love comments the this week. Which I I love to hear from our fans, so that that's great. Uh, Marilyn Kinney, cut and shot in Texas. Trekkie from 1966, an original. That's cool. Great. Uh, Penny Hunter, currently in New Mexico, started watching Star Trek in Boston way back in the way back. Well, we have a lot <laughs> of way back in the way backers here this mm-hmm. week, don't we? We do. A lot, lot well, of old people like a lot of old people like me who are long like in the tooth. As they say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder, I wonder cool. if uh, 
I wonder if Timmy prefers red or green. Ah, interesting question. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I uh, we'd also myself. like to say. <laughs> we'd also like to say uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Penny Hunter, currently in New Mexico, started watching Star Trek. I already read that one. We want to see. Yeah. I'm getting old and long in the tooth. See what happens? <laughs> see, there's an example. Yeah, I'm going to follow well, like him. You're, you're getting long on the tooth, too? I'm not that <laughs> far away from you, you, Jim. <laughs> oh, you're getting short in the tooth? <laughs> um, Get we like to say thank you and hello to... Kathy Houston from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. G'day, mate, from the land down under. We we know someone down there. That guy the is down there in Australia. The dude is there, yeah. <laughs> the dude. And last but definitely not least, top fan Rob Johnson from Buckinghamshire, England, United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Thank you. Thank you so much to Rob for listening, and thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening for We Could Not Do the Show Without You, and that's true. So now that we've given our fan shout-out, this is a little part of the show where we take a moment to wish happy birthday to all of our Star Trek members and also to remember the ones that are no longer with us, members of our Star Trek family that have left us. And for that, we turn to Eric. But first, we have to have our birthday song. That was not a Klingon song. And we always start off with our remembrances. So, Eric, who... Who is a member of our Star Trek family, but sadly is no longer with us? Yeah, we have four people this week who would have had a birthday who are no longer with us. Our first remembrance goes out to Joy Garrett, who played the character of Annie Myers in the TNG episode Fistful of Datas. Um, You might remember her as being one of the, uh, uh, she's like the madam of the burlesque house. Uh, You would recognize her face if you're familiar with that episode, so... Uh, happy birthday and remembrance is going out to Joy Garrett this week. We're also remembering Lawrence Montaigne, who played the character of Stan in the TOS episode Amok Time. And he also played Decius in Balance of Terror. And those names may sound familiar, but they're kind of like B characters. If you saw this gentleman's face answer uh, after uh, Lawrence Montaigne, you would absolutely recognize it. He's the one who has the kind of very long nose. When you see him as a Vulcan, he he looks very serious. He has kind of the frowny eyes. When you see him as a um, as a Romulan, he's one of the first Centurions that we see with that awesome helmet from TOS. Um, so Lawrence Montaigne is very much uh, one of the faces of TOS Star Trek, and uh, and we miss him this week. We're also remembering uh, John Hancock, who would have had a birthday this week. He played uh, Vice Admiral Hayden in one of the episodes that we're looking at tonight, uh, TNG's episode, The Defector. Uh, he, of course, is the one who yep. speaks to uh, speaks to Picard about what's going on out there. Basically, he's like, listen, bro, you are the one who's got the ball. Make the call. Do what you need to do. Uh, and John Hancock did a fantastic job uh, with that role of uh, Admiral Hayden. So we are remembering him today. 
And finally, the big one, and this is one of the big ones, guys, uh, probably, probably top five, top six. Uh, we are remembering this week uh, James Scotty Doohan, who, of course, was known as Captain Kirk. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. Montgomery Scott, yep. right, Jim? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, probably the best yep. engineer in the galaxy, although Jordy gives him a run for his money. Uh, he was the main engineer in TOS. Uh, everybody knows who Scotty is. And, of course, he makes his way all the way to TNG by storing his pattern in a pattern buffer buffer for something like 70-something years, 80-something years, and uh, re-emerges in Season 6 of TNG. So, man, what a, what a name. Uh, what a loss to the Star Trek world when uh, James Doohan died. I understand that uh, part of his uh, ashes – have now been permanently put into space, which I think is very appropriate and awesome. And I believe that Jim would like to share something with us uh, a little bit more about James Scotty doing. Yeah, I, I think that Scotty is such an important character in Star Trek, and he's he, he's he's one of the majorest characters in Star Trek. So I thought, you know, he deserves more than just a mention. So I put together a little, little soundbite of Scotty's... Um, Best moments, I guess. There's so many, it's hard to pick. But uh, here's just a little little soundbite to remember Scotty, and I hope it brings a smile to some of your faces and, and you know, makes you remember some of the Scotty's better moments. We can't maintain warp rate speed much longer. Pressures are approaching the critical point. Range, Mr. Chekhov. We can't do it. If we keep this speed, we'll blow up any minute now. Aye, sir. Before they went into warp, I transported the whole kit and caboodle into the air engine room, where there'll be no trouble at all. You mind your place, mister, or you'll... you'll be wearing concrete galoshes. I found this in a gunner room. Uh, gunner mirror me. What is this? Well, it's, um... It's green. I suppose, uh, laughing... That even our impulse engines must seem fast compared to your nuclear propulsion units. The antimatter pods are rigged to blow up the moment we go into warp drive. I can't give you warp nine much longer, Mr. Spock. These engines are beginning to show signs of stress. We're losing power in the warp engines. All right, you lovelies. Hold together. Any man that managed such a feat, I would not dare disappoint. I had a weave out, sir, but uh, Dr. McCoy pulled me through. He stayed at his post when the trainees ran. Certainly, sir. How else can I keep my reputation as a miracle worker? And if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. Level, please. Transporter room. Thank you. Up your shaft. Aye, sir. What drive standing by? Your automation system's overloaded. I didn't expect to take us into combat, you know. Computer, Commander Montgomery Scott, Chief Engineering Officer. Destruct sequence two, code one, one A, two B. Well, give me one more day, sir. Damage control is easy. Reading Klingon, that's hard. Computer? Computer? Ah. Hello, computer. Just use the keyboard. 
Marlena Maru in TOS's Mirror Mirror. And then I got a couple of favorites that are going especially for Women's Month. Let's start off with a definite happy birthday out there to Gates McFad, who play one of our favorite female doctors, Beverly Crusher and TNG. Uh-huh. And then I move this yep. one to the bottom of my list. Because, go ahead. Well, I, I was, was going to say that. Say, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say that Gates McFadden was a Picard teaser before we knew what we even one was. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it yeah. was really something to see her at the premiere uh, of Picard last year when Charles and I were able to attend um, the the season one premiere. And I will tell you that. If you if you think she's something uh, on TV, you should see her in person because um, she has aged oh. very well. And, <laughs> and oh, uh, I've I've seen her on stage. Yeah, oh, she, she still has a presence. She really she does, and that's the presence. thing is it's a presence. Yeah, it's not just that she's yeah. a, a you know beautiful woman. She's also she has this like stoicism about her that just uh, says like I'm in charge. You know, <laughs> look out. Look out. Pretty cool. And then we got to go a good special happy, bir- happy birthday to one of our previous guests. And she's been on our show a couple of times. Truck Talkin's happy birthday to Chase Masterson. Yeah. Yep. in DS9. And who does a fabulous job right now with her programs trying to work on anti-bullying. Yeah, she's really something. Powerhouse. Yeah. Powerhouse. In fact, you you can tell her popularity. You look at Star Trek, and you see you'll see so many be kind shirts. Not only by fans, but you'll see actors and actresses wearing those shirts uh-huh. because uh-huh. they support what she does. Yeah. Oh, great list of people. Gee, I wonder what Jim will come up with. Oh, we're not done yet. Very logical, oh, first, very logical responses, we, I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> highly, highly logical. And some so that are slightly emotional. With, uh, <laughs> yes, we don't want to get too emotional. Uh, we want to say, uh, say goodbye, Spock. Goodbye, Spock. Um, goodbye, Spock. <laughs> goodbye, Spock. We want to say a happy birthday to Barbara Babcock. And you're thinking, Uncle Jim, you're so long in a tooth. Who is Barbara Babcock? Well, Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm going to tell you. So, uh, first of all, uh, she played uh, Felena in the TOS episode Plato's Stepchildren. You guys should all be familiar with that episode. Uh, she also played Mia 3 in A Taste of Armageddon. But that's not all. <laughs> she was also a voice actress on TOS. She did the voice of Trelane's mother in The Squire of Gothos. Pretty cool, huh? And the voice of the Beta 5 computer. And, and Isis the Cat in Assignment Earth. And that's kind of relevant because we just talked about that on Comic Corner last week. And uh, she was Isis the Cat, which is, which is pretty cool. And the one that surprised me the most was 
She was the voice of Loskeen, the Tholian commander from the Tholian web, which was, I thought was fascinating because I never, never thought of Loskeen as a woman. But, yeah, the voice of Loskeen was a female voice. So happy birthday to Barbara Babcock. We hope you had a great, 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 great day. And continuing uh-huh. on, we want to say happy birthday to Anne Haney, who played Rishon Uxbridge in the TNG episode Survivors, and also Els Renora in the DS9 episode Dax. But we're not done yet. We also want to say happy birthday to Heidi Swedberg, who played Reckon in DS9 episode Profit and Loss. And now, for my favorite part of the show, is I get to do Klingons. Kapla. And we got some good ones. We got some good ones. First, we want to say kapla to James Worthy, who played Corral in the TNG episode Gambit Part 2. I guess he's also a basketball player, from what I heard. Um, I don't follow basketball, but um, I guess he's a pretty popular, pretty good basketball player. Uh, So happy birthday to James Worthy. Uh, This next one is pretty cool. Uh, Michelle Bonilla, who played Buka in the Enterprise episode Sleeping Dogs, that was a great one, where we find the raptor and it's floating in the in the gas giant, and we get to see some targs and we get to hear some Klingon. It's, it's a really great episode, and she plays a great character in that one. And of course, we saved the best, the biggest, and best Klingon for last. Uh, J.D. Cullum, who played Taral, son of Duras, in the TNG episode Redemption, part one and part two. And, of course, Worf spares his life, but it comes back to haunt him later on Deep Space Nine. So happy birthday and kapla to J.D. Cullum. And I saved the most logical one for last. Uh, this week we want to send out a happy birthday to a character who we've, we've all grown up watching on Star Trek, and we're going to be watching again on Star Trek, Mr. Spock. And uh, Ethan Peck played Mr. Spock on Discovery. He's going to play Mr. Spock on Strange New World. And I had an opportunity to meet him at Trek Conoroga last year. And, or no, I guess it wasn't last year. Must have been two years no, ago. No, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, because there was nothing last year because of COVID. But we had an opportunity to meet him, and he was the most awesomest. Guy. He was so grateful to Star Trek fans. He was thanking everybody, and he was just the most gracious, uh, friendliest uh, person I ever would want to meet. You wouldn't even think he was a star. Uh, he was just sitting there in a pair of jeans, just talking to people, and he was so cool to meet him. So happy birthday to Ethan Peck. We really are very, very happy to have you as part of our Star Trek family. So now we're going to move on to Star Trek news. And for that, we have our Star Trek news intro, which was put together by none other than our very own Charles. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. 
So before we go any further, I just wanted to throw out there to everybody that as of today, actually I think it was as of midnight, but as of today, CBS All Access no longer exists, and it's been rebranded as Paramount+. Plus. Now, on my phone, it automatically updated and turned, went from CBS right into Paramount+. Plus. I didn't have to do anything. Um, however, on my PS4, they didn't have the Paramount Plus app, so as of right now, I cannot watch Par- uh, Paramount Plus on my PS4 because it's still under CBS All Access, and you have to log out of CBS All Access and then log back in for it to change over to Paramount Plus, and they don't have the Paramount Plus app available yet. My Roku? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, my Roku said I was my Roku TV said CBS All Access. I kicked out of it, came into it, came out of it, came back into it, and after a couple of tries, it renamed itself. Uh, and okay. me back I tried it. it. I tried it twice, and twice it it wouldn't it wouldn't let me log in. It kept saying that my login information was invalid and not recognizable, yeah. and it wouldn't let me log back in. So I wasn't able to do it on my Roku, uh, but on my on my Flex through Comcast. Uh, it just came up as Paramount Plus. They have the actual Paramount Plus app available, so it popped up on there no problem. So um, yeah, as of today, CBS All Access no longer exists. But I, and I was looking through their programming, and the one thing that I was a little bit disappointed in is that they only have four Star Trek movies as of right now. And I would have thought that being Paramount, they would have them all, but they don't. They only have four. So hopefully that changes and they get at least all the classic movies, I would think, and the uh, TNG movies. Uh, yeah. There might be some issues with Secret Hideout and the Kelvin movies because they were in flux between the two studios. But uh, at least at least the TNG and, and uh, TOS movies would be nice. But as of right now, they only have four. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, all right. So uh, I think the, the changeover is still talk- going. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, going to take a day or so for everything to resolve, probably. But but they do have every single Star Trek series, including Short Treks, available in every single episode. So that's cool. Um, so I want to start off my first story, Section 31 on Backburner, Star Trek, unlikely to expand state of series until a current one ends. And again, all these articles that we're going to talk about are being summarized, and you can read the articles in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that out, A-N-D, Beyond, and you can read the articles in their entirety. Two new series are joining the Star Trek universe soon. Star Trek Strange New World and Star Trek Prodigy will join the lineup in 2021 alongside the established series Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek Lower Decks, all of which are in production for their upcoming seasons. No matter how you slice it, that's a lot of new Star Trek content coming down the pike. Unintended. What does that mean for a Section 31 spinoff or any other projects? Paramount Plus programming chief Julie McNamara and Star Trek executive producer Alex Kurtzman said that while conversations are still being had regarding a Section 31 series and that there are other Trek shows in development that haven't been made public, fans aren't likely to see them until after one of these current series finishes. You know, that's I don't know. I'm I don't actually. Know how I really. Well, 
I, mean, I know I, how we, I we've been hearing about we've been hearing about Section Thirty One since Discovery aired, and they set up Michelle Yeoh to take to step into that role perfectly. They redeemed the character. Carl tested her and sent her back. So everything is laid out, and I'm a little bit disappointed that we're going to have to wait until one of these other shows is canceled before they bring us that one. I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm what I'm really interested in, Jim, is I wonder. So one of the comments that I think was coming through in the first couple of seasons uh, of Discovery was that people were feeling that Star Trek had taken this dark turn, and we've we've kind of talked about that a few different times on different shows and I don't want to rehash that conversation, but what is interesting to me is that when season three of discovery started, I feel like one of the things that we all commented on was that it felt more hopeful and more optimistic and that sort of thing. And if you think about the shows that people are excited about, they're excited about these animated shows. They're excited about uh, strange new worlds you know, they're excited about these shows that presumably, I mean, in, in Anson Mount's own words in the Strange New Worlds promo, focus on um, optimistic, uh, you know, topics, so to speak. So that I wonder is why, like, I wonder if that's why Section 31 sort of got pushed to the bottom of the list, because if you think about it, the plot of a show about a clandestine organization within a government that may or may not have corruption involved is like, that's, that's a, another tip towards the dark side, right? So does CBS, does Paramount want to take Star Trek in this direction and kind of address some of the concerns that some people have said about modern Star Trek being too dark and, and try and like consciously take it in a more positive and optimistic direction? I don't know. I wonder if that's why a show like Section 31 got delayed. There's also just a lot on well, the plate, but yeah. I think that um, I, I hear a lot of complaints on a lot of boards. Well, fans complain about everything all the time anyways, but I hear a lot of complaints about generally about Star Trek and how it's, it's, it's not the same and blah, blah, blah. But I, here's what I, my take on it. We're going to have five Star Trek shows running on TV the first one, I'm going to take these kind of in order, uh, Star Trek Picard. And Star Trek Picard is about a, a classic hero who's at the end of his career. And he's dealing with issues that older people would have to tackle and deal with. You know, he wants an opportunity to make a difference one more time. He wants to try to atone for, for past, you know, things he may have done wrong and deal with regrets and try to make things better. And that, that, is kind of the the message in Picard. He's not the same Picard that was saving the the Federation from the board and the Klingons and the Romulans. He's a different character now because of everything he's gone through in his life and how it's changed him. Then we have Star Trek Discovery, and we've seen this on Discovery. Discovery has had a rotating captaincy, which if you think about it, Starfleet would be constantly changing. People would be moving from here to there and there to here. We've had three different captains in three different seasons. I loved Saru as captain, watching him come up to be captain. But now we have Michael Burnham as a first-time captain. We watched her character grow. We watched her go through that process and become captain. So now we have a brand-new captain who's going to make mistakes and who's going to learn what it's like to be a captain. Then we have Captain Pike, who's already an established hero. He's already a captain, 
and he's in the height of his career, and he's the hero. He's doing everything the right way. He, he's got his crew. He's got his command style. He's established, and that's his show. Then we have Lower Decks, which is more of a – well, we know it's animated, and it's aimed at – it's more of a comedy. I, I would say it's aimed more at teenagers or people that would like maybe Family Guy maybe, Rick and Morty type of humor um, for, for the younger audience. And now we have Prodigy, which is strictly for children. We've yet to see it, so we don't know how childish. I hope it doesn't go down SpongeBob territory, I hope. But we'll have to wait and see. And that's being aimed at young children. So each one of the Star Trek shows that, we're, that we have are all aimed at a specific demographic. And I think that if they were to throw a different show in there, where would it fit? In what, with what they already have. So I think that's why we're not going to be seeing another show. I, it's, I could be wrong, but that's what, the way I was looking at it. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, I would be interested in seeing. I love Michelle Yeoh. When she kicks Lorca in well, the head, in the face, from behind, and she's <laughs> behind her, and she kicks, it blows my mind. I just, uh-huh. I love, well, I love and, Michelle Yeoh, and I love what, what they did with Giorgio. The, and I, I really want to see more of that redemption of that character growth. And, um, yeah. But, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I'm also going to say that due to COVID precautions, they may be limited to how many people they want to have in the studio. And they may only True. want to have a couple of productions True. going on at the same time. I, yeah, I forgot so Discovery, about Discovery got done, and then Strange New Worlds has got priority. we got to kind of wait till some of the bigger shows with priority. And Michelle Yeoh may be taking a break, a little vacation in there. So we don't know exactly what's going on or why the show is completely paused. True. I, I... I forgot about COVID. Yep. You're right. You're right. So, um, Eric, what, what do you have on your on your plate? Well, I have a very exciting article related to some of the things that we were just talking about. Star Trek Prodigy. We got a first look that revealed the new animated series. The first official image for Star Trek Prodigy has debuted online. Yay! And it showed a first look at the Yay. cast of characters. The animated series will now premiere on Paramount Plus and later have its premiere on Nickelodeon. The show follows six young alien outcasts. That's right. Every single one of them is an alien who command, who uh, commandeer a ship and are slowly introduced to Starfleet and the ideals it represents. Kate Mulgrew yay, will reprise her role as Captain Catherine Janeway for the series and serve as the crew's leader. Dan and Kevin Hageman from Troll Hunters will act as showrunners. Quote, in three years, we've expanded the Star Trek universe to new heights, creating five original series, each with its own unique storytelling and distinct cinematic feel, Star Trek Universe executive producer Alex Kurtzman said. He also said, Star Trek Prodigy brings Trek to a new generation of young fans with an animated series as rich in character and scope as our live action shows. And thrilled audiences of all ages now have instant access to the full Trek library, classic and new original series on our new home at Paramount+. Plus. 
And I have to tell you that, like, I'm pretty excited about Prodigy. I do not have young kids uh, anymore. Mine, mine is more of a tween teenager uh, age. And so she may or may not enjoy Prodigy. But I've always said that I think one of the things that was that was missing at least in the 21st century or maybe even the late 20th century was a really compelling way to bring kids into Trek. Now that is not to say that I don't think the animated series is awesome because I do, and I'm a big advocate for the animated series, but you know, by today's standards, it's a little boring. The animation's kind of weird and that kind of stuff. So to have this new option for younger viewers to actually bring them into the ideals that we all know and love, which include a lot of, really positive social messages, by the way, in my opinion. Uh, I think that's just fantastic. So super excited about this development. And, of course, Kate Mulgrew, Captain Catherine Janeway, she's awesome. What did you guys think of the crew, like some of the people that we saw? They were they were kind of interesting, huh? Well, definitely aliens. I think, definitely, I think it's going to make a good change for us. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think, Eric, that it's great that there's no humans and the crew, because yeah. th- that means that there are no children that are going to feel like they're not represented or left out if there's no yeah. humans in the crew. So children yeah, I... can identify with with whoever they want to identify with, not based on their color or sex or race or, or anything, because they're all aliens. So I think that's a great, except for Kate Mulgrew, I think that's a great idea. I would totally agree with that, Jim, and I think that they did that very much purposely. I think that, like, if you were to look at these characters, you'd see that they come in all shapes and sizes. They look like they probably have different personalities just by the way that they sort of stand in the one still shot that we got of all of them. I mean, I'm I'm surmising a little bit, but, you know, somebody has a confident stance or somebody has kind of a, an Eeyore stance, you know? <laughs> Um, I think that's going to yep. be fantastic, and I totally agree with that, Jim. I love the ability to separate it from the the kind of what I'll call the human baggage, I guess, and really get to the crux of characters that these kids will identify with. So totally cool. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Absolutely. And uh, Charles, are you? what do you have for us, Charles? <laughs> Okay, well, did Jonathan Frakes just drop a big Star Trek Picard season two, season two clue? No, because he signed an NDA, so he can't be doing that. That's right. <laughs> Unless he gets permission to do it. True. What has us wondering is sometimes something is afoot. In a tweet sent out Friday morning by Star Trek Next Generation star Jonathan Frakes, he posted a picture without a caption of himself smiling with one of his TNG co-stars, LeVar Burton and John Delancey. It is a fantastic photo. In just a few hours, the tweet garnered hundreds of comments and thousands of likes. Could there be more to his image than just a fun post on social media? France confirmed he would be returning to direct Star Trek Picard in Season 2, which is being broken up into two-episode blocks divided amongst five directors. LeVar Burton and John Delancey both 
actors have hinted they too could appear in season two of Picard. Last said that he had been in discussions with producers on the show. In 2019, Burton visited the show, the set during the location shoot for Nepenthe. Burton's Julia LaForge has already been mentioned in the show, indicating that he's still around and on good terms with John Luke Picard. As far as Delancey, in December, the actor revealed he would reprise his role as you. Well, I didn't specifically mention Star Trek Picard, it makes sense of any of the Star Trek shows currently in production, especially as he's already appeared on Star Trek's Lower Decks by that time. Greg is known for dropping a spoiler or two, with strict restrictions on sharing behind-the-scenes images while, shown, while shows are in production. <clears throat> this simple posting of a photo from 2017 could be a way of letting us know the gangs are getting back together. Yeah. Definitely will big deal, but that's a good teaser. <laughs> yep, that definitely is. And I know fans have been begging for Q. They want more Q. And I think they're going to get it. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I have an article that says Paramount Plus will carry Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds, and Prodigy. Paramount Plus, which was announced several months ago, will launch on March 4th tonight in the United States, Canada, and 18 Latin America countries. As with CBS All Access, both are ad-supported and ad-free plans will be offered. In the U.S., the ad-supported one will be $4.99. That's a dollar cheaper than it was for CBS All Access. And the ad-free plan will be $9.99. The service is also expected to launch in Nordic countries within a few weeks and in Australia sometime later this year. When it launches, Paramount Plus will have 2,500 films and 30,000 TV episodes, according to Viacom CBS executives. That will include some original series we've already seen on CBS All Access, including a large slate of Star Trek shows such as Star Trek Discovery, Picard, and Lower Decks. Two new Star Trek series have recently been announced, a CGI animated kids show called Star Trek Prodigy, and a spinoff about Captain Pike and Mr. Spock called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which, which I'm really looking forward to myself. And with that, guys, we have to take a quick commercial break. We still have a few more stories to go through here uh, before we move into our episode discussions. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Don't touch that dial. Run, don't walk to the bathroom. We'll be right back after this quick commercial message. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And, uh... Uh, Char, Eric, Char, um, and Charles has Me. a story for us, I guess. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Eric, but I'm stealing this one. Uh, now, wait a second. For those I, I have the, to say, there's a coup. I, I gave this one. There's a reason. I gave this one to Eric because it's about Voyager. I put the other one for you because it's right down your alley. So there was a reason why that happened, but that's okay. As long as as the story gets out, it doesn't matter. But there was a method to my madness. Go ahead. I'm I'm not sure if Eric's one of the backers on this one. But I am. I am. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Voyager's documentary fundraiser launches and warps past 400,000 in its first day. Produces by the same team of the well-received What We Left Behind. Looking back in the Deep Space Nine and... Uh, by the uh, for love of Spock, which raised near the spot the voyage the DS9 one raised six hundred and fifty thousand. The Voyager edition has still far from complete. Ambition footage needs to be filmed. Licensing requirements need to be arranged with CBS to set footage. And plenty of production tasks have yet to be accomplished. <clears throat> we are still in the early stages of production with more interviews and supporting footage yet, yet to be filmed. Once it's complete post-production, expenses will need to be covered, such as editing, music, animation, color correction, sound mixing, and CBS Star Trek footage licenses. The more we raise on this Indigo Indiegogo campaign, the more creative ways we can have to making this documentary unique. Like the DS9 fundraiser, <clears throat> the Voyager campaign has several tiers of donations, from basic $5 with no rewards to many levels of digital and physical rewards that can be earned through monetary contributions. Computed to campaign, head over to Indiegogo and check out all the details. And I was having a ball watching this thing day one. They had 400,000 in their first day. And the second day, that they hit 500K. They're now almost there. Less than 2,000, 200,000 away from hitting 600K. But we've gotten the initial was just a hundred a hundred and fifty K. And they over overwhelmingly hit their goals before they even expected it. Goal is to say let's get some more three D three D graphics and animation. For three hundred K the filmed the November Voyage reunion they'll film the November Voyage reunion from London. At 40K, they'll expand the scope of the film to 60 minutes to 90 minutes. Stretch 4 is to compose the original score from the film. Now we've gotten digital soundtrack released to all backers. And their up-and-coming going to be follow-up interviews with more depth in 
discussion. And we know there's going to be a lot more perks coming in as it expands. But I saw this, and it's like, yeah, I had to be day one. And they were so grateful for day one fans. They even have a day one pin for those of us that got physical items. But this has been after the great work they did with uh, what we left behind. I cannot wait to see what they do with this other What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's a different group of folks doing this one, and I just was so impressed as I was watching the campaign go uh, how quickly they were able to fill their goals. They're, you're right, Charles. They're like 17 grand away from 600,000, which was their final stretch goal that they listed. Um, so I think that's pretty exciting. I think that shows a lot of support for this, uh, and it's it's it, and for me. Uh, I want to know more about this series. I mean, I love this series, and I just want to know more about the characters and the behind-the-scenes stuff, and a documentary is the perfect platform to do that. So I'm super excited about it myself. Yeah. I can't wait for this one to come out. I, I look, Ira was blown away by what they did with the first one. This one, I think they're still going to get blown away from what, what's going to happen on this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. This just shows you like how big, how big yeah. Star Trek fans are out there to help support <laughs> these kind of events. Yeah, I think this one is going to have a different flavor to it. I I feel like the what we left behind documentary, um, there was a future lookingness to it. You know what would have happened in DS Nine season yeah. eight kind of kind of thing. But, you know, Voyager had a close, right? It had a, we got home, yeah. and that's the end of the story. And so I think that this documentary is going to focus a little bit less on uh, what we left behind it and, and more on, um, you know, the ins and outs of what was going on while they were filming yeah. while they, uh, the show. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, same here. So well, Eric, since that I means- took that Eric. one. Yeah, Eric oh. is going to get the story that I handpicked for Charles. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's okay I, I because I like story. I, I, I well, try to get I, I was... new stories that I think are you, you guys are going to like that I think matches what you guys w- want to talk about. So I, I handpicked this next one for Charles, but let's let's see how Eric handles it. Well, I understand why Charles would like that last story because, I mean, that whole Voyager documentary is pretty excited, and he was a day one supporter, so that that's pretty cool. Um, I get to talk about the great Star Trek ebook deals that are available right now, guys. You can get a ton of Star Trek books for ninety nine cents right now, which I think is very exciting. Um, so, a lot of these books are available uh, for every Star Trek fan, available until March thirteenth. I'm going to talk about some of the books that are available right now. And is this, is this through Amazon? Do you happen to know, Jim? Yeah. I don't – yeah, this yeah. is through Amazon. Yeah, I got the – It's a Kindle book. The I got Kindle the, deals, yeah. Yeah, I got, the, I got the email, and I thought, well, this is something interesting to, to mention because we do Book Nook. And one of the books we're yeah. going to talk about – well, two of the books we already talked about, and one of them we're going to talk about. So I thought this would be relevant. 
Yeah, there are a ton of really good books in here, and I already own most of these, which is why I probably didn't pay as much attention to this article. But um, there are some new ones on here, like The Lives of Dax. Much more than an anthology, this unique collection of stories weaves the tapestry of one's being's life through three and a half centuries of history in the Star Trek universe. Oh my gosh, that one sounds completely awesome because we all love Jadzia, but we all heard a lot about previous Daxes. We even got to meet a few previous Daxes. What about a book about some of them? That would be so cool. Uh, there's also Atonement by Kristen Beyer, or Kristen Beyer, excuse me, an original novel sent in the universe of Star Trek Voyager and the sequel to Protectors and the Acts of Contrition. Uh, so more Kristen Beyer uh, books she is fantastic i will just say that uhura's song are you kidding me i gotta read this book by janet kagan years ago lieutenant uhura befriended a diplomat from yao the land of graceful cat-like beings the two women exchanged songs and promised never to reveal their secret that one sounds really super cool i would love to read that one Surak's Soul by J.M. Dillard is only 99 cents right now in this thrilling and eye-opening Star Trek Enterprise novel. T'Pol finds herself torn between the teachings of Vulcan and the regulations of Starfleet. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love T'Pol. She's, she's not Starfleet, but she's stuck on a Starfleet vessel. What's she supposed to do? J.M. Dillard explores that in Surak's Soul. We also have a book called Seven of Nine by Christy Golden, only 99 cents right now on Kindle. Discovery, uh, excuse me, Discover the Astonishing Story of Seven of Nine, one of the most fascinating and unforgettable characters in Star Trek history. Hmm, I wonder what that one's about. We also have the Battle of Beta Z. Oh, this one sounds really super cool because we know a little bit about this story, but not very much. This one's by Charlotte Douglas and Susan Kearney. Counselor Deanna Troy and the crew of the USS Enterprise work to carry out a perilous and desperate plan to stop the invasion of her home planet of Beta Z by the Dominion Conquerors. Oh, man. Remember, remember when we read a little bit about that, guys? I'm so excited to read more about that in the Battle of Beta Z for only 99 cents. Uh, we have reviewed and read Desperate Hours by David Mack already on this show. Fantastic book. Aboard the starship Shenzhou, Lieutenant Michael Burnham, a human woman raised and educated among Vulcans, is promoted to acting first officer, but... If she wants to keep her job, she must prove to Captain Philip Giorgio that she deserves to have it. And I will tell you that that's one of my favorite parts of Desperate Hours is getting a little bit more prime Giorgio into the mix. Uh, we've got Star Trek Discovery, The Way to the Stars by Una McCormick. I don't remember which episode that was, but it was within the last few months. We actually review, uh, reviewed this book and were able to interview Una McCormick herself about this book. Despite being an inexperienced Starfleet cadet, Sylvia Tilly becomes essential to the USS Discovery, finding its way back home from the near universe. But how did she find that courage? From where did she get that steel? Who nurtured that spark of brilliance? And I will tell you, we had a fantastic and fascinating conversation with Una McCormick about this book. Um, you guys, if you don't that, buy any other books, book, you, should read, you should buy that, that one. Book was just, <laughs> that book was just outstanding. It's so good. Uh, and for 99 was, cents, or ugh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. You got you to read that book, guys. And 99 cents, I mean, you can't beat that. Um, also, I think this is the one that Charles has been talking to us quite a bit about, but yeah. I have not yet read, That's but I'm excited to read. Yep. Uh, this is by John Jackson Miller. It's called Die Standing. 
No one in the history of histories has lost more than Philip Giorgio, ruler of the Terran Empire. Forced to take refuge in the Federation's universe, she bides, by her, she bides her time until Section 31, a rogue spy force within Starfleet, offers her a chance to work as their agent. She has no intention of serving under anyone else, of course. Her only interest is escape. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, there are so many good books right now available for 99 cents. Uh, it's while supplies last, so make sure that you go in there and grab them as soon as you can. Uh, but lots and lots of great books that are canon adjacent, as our good friend J.K. Woodward always likes to say. Right, Jim? Oh, absolutely. we we got to get J.K. We haven't talked to him in a while. I've got to see if he's available, see if we can get him on the show maybe. That'd yeah, that'd be, be cool. fun. So uh, tying into our category tonight of Romulans, in particular, the face of the enemy, Marina Sirtis has moved away from Los Angeles and back to the United Kingdom. In January, the Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Picard actor announced on Twitter that she was leaving Los Angeles, where she has lived for the last 35 years for the United Kingdom. And on Sunday, she tweeted again, but this time saying, goodbye, America. In her tweet, she posted a picture of herself in what looked like an airplane seat, complete with face masks. In addition to her goodbye message, she included a red heart emoji, the folded hand emoji, which many use as a thank you, and a sad face with a single tear. Sirtis was born in London to Greek parents, so in a way, she's returning home. It's been just over a month since she originally announced the <coughs> preparation to move. When, the first, when she first announced that she was leaving, Sirtis cited her work as the primary driver, saying, apart from Picard, all my work in the last three years has come from the U.K. Having spent half my life here, it will be hard to leave. I hope I made a difference. And I, I think I can safely say that she did make a difference. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah, 100%, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I, when I have an opportunity to tell a story, I'm going to tell it. My very first Star Trek convention that I ran in 1991, Marina Sirtis was a guest. And um, what can I say about her? She, she is just, she, she's a great, great woman. She loves the fans. Um, she was phenomenal. Um, she has a little bit of a mouth on her. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but <laughs> she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we sold out the convention. It, I, there wasn't even move, room to walk in the lobby. And so we had to bring her in through the back door, through the kitchen. And she was swearing and swearing about having to go through the kitchen. And this isn't how you treat someone, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, I was like, wow, you know, Troy swears. <laughs> that caught me off guard. But, um she was wonderful, and uh, we were showing the trailer for Star Trek VI, so we had a life-size cardboard cutout of Captain Kirk from Star Trek V, which you guys probably saw in the video store of him holding up the video cassette for Star Trek V. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember that. We had it on the stage. Marina Sirtis comes out, and she looks at it, and she says, that's not my captain, and she took it and threw it off the stage. So that was Marina Sirtis. She was funny. She was great, and I think she'll be missed. I hope that moving to the UK doesn't affect her convention appearances here in the United States 
because as many of you, well, many of you may not know this, but when you have a convention, you're responsible for the airfare for getting the actor to and from the convention. The fact that she's currently in the UK, um, I, I think is going to tremendously cut down on her convention appearances because now you're going to have to pl- pay first class airfare from the UK to the States and back again. And that might curtail a lot of her convention appearances here in the States. We'll have to wait and see how that happens. But Marina Sirtis is going to be missed. And um, I hope she finds everything she's looking for in the UK. So with any doubt, we're going to talk about face of the enemy. Great lead in. This is the episode where Deanna Troy wakes up and she's done up as a Romulan. And for those of you who don't remember that episode, here is the trailer. Troy is forced to impersonate a Romulan officer. I've been kidnapped, surgically altered, put in danger. In a daring mission to save the life of a government defector. Your only chance to get off this ship alive is to do as I say. Now, at the risk of being caught, can she escape a showdown with her own crew? Destroy them. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. So Face of the Enemy is the 140th episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and the 14th episode of the sixth season, and it aired on February 8, 1993. In 2017, Business Insider listed the episode as one of the most underrated episodes of Star Trek franchise. In 2020, Tom's Guide listed as having some of the best moments for the Enterprise D's counselor, Troy. Well, that, that goes without saying... Originally, Dr. Crusher was to be the crew member kidnapped, but this was changed when the staff realized that Troy's empathic abilities would be more suitable for espionage. Marin Shankar suggested casting Joanna Linville to reprise her role as the Romulan commander from the TOS episode Enterprise Incident. However, Linville was not available. That would have been absolutely spectacular, Uh by the way. Uh, Uh Carolyn Seymour, Tourette, had previously played another Romulan commander, Sub-Commander Tarsus, in Contagion. The staff decided not to reuse the Tarsus character because it was initially assumed that the character had been killed in that episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, we asked the fans on our Facebook page to score this episode, with 10 being the best. Eric, what did our fans have to say about Face of the Enemy? Well, our first fan, John Avara, said, I would say an 8. Uh, which is pretty good. Uh, uh, we had uh, Oct Tennis say 10. Great script, good action, and acting. Catherine Cobus said a 9. Catherine Seymour is great. And top fan Danny Samuelson said, Oh my, this is my favorite TNG episode. Troy won me over. Became my favorite character because of this episode 10. Pretty cool. Uh, Andreas Casares said a 10 best Troy episode. Also, only good Troy episode. And Eddie Joe Metalius said, I've gone along with all your plans. Said, quote, I've gone along with all your plans. Now you're going to listen to me. You're going to find a way to let the Enterprise track us, or I will go to Torith and tell her I've discovered you're a traitor. I'll have you ejected into space. Is that clear, Subcommander? which I think is one of her best lines from this episode. She's just like, I ain't putting up with no more business. 
and Eddie Joe yeah. Matthias pointed that out. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So what does yeah, that, so that uh, give us a uh, an average? Oh yeah, here Charles. So what does that give us for an average vote out of all those folks uh, on this episode? It uh, gives us an average vote of a nine point three three. Nice. Wow. Wow. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That, that is yeah. that is pretty good. Um. So let's let's talk about the episode. So there's a lot of mention in this of Spock. In fact, this is a very Spock-centric episode. Spock is working with the underground and unification. And there's spies on this ship that are working with Spock. In fact, there's also a Romulan defector from the Federation who defected from the Romulans back to the Federation who's on the Enterprise uh, right while this is going on, trying to help the Enterprise recover the traitors that Troy has um, aboard her ship. So there's a lot going on that involves what Spock is doing uh, in unification, which is later relevant on uh, Star Trek Discovery, which is pretty, pretty cool. But the thing I wanted to mention is, is Turok, the commander played by Carolyn Seymour, is outstanding in this episode. And yeah. I think that, that uh, this character is very reminiscent of the character played by Mark Leonard in the balance of terror and the fact that, you know, she doesn't particularly want to go to war. She will, if she has to, but she wants to avoid it. She doesn't want to, uh, to start a war and have a, have a war. And she doesn't like the way the Talchier carries on with, with their violence and their intimidation and their threatening of people. I think that she's very reminiscent of, Mark Leonard's Romulan commander from Balance of Terror. I think they're very much the same type of character. You know, they're very duty, they're duty bound, they're honor bound, but they have their own opinions that don't necessarily jive with the Praetor and what the Romulan Star Empire wants to do. So I think that's an interesting dynamic going on there because if we didn't have the situation with Deanna Troy and the spies and what's going on, I think that maybe maybe Deanna Troy would have had, you know, a lot in common with this character, and they could have had some pretty decent conversations if it wasn't for the situation in the episode, I think. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's kind of interesting because there, Torith, I think, comes at us from a couple of different vantage points, and I would agree, Jim. I think she's a fantastic character. I mean, on the one hand, we've got her as a Robinhood commander, you know, in charge of a ship, you get the feeling that she almost right away starts to see through um, Deanna's disguise. You know, Deanna does her best in the situation that she's kind of thrust into, but Taurus doesn't completely agree in the legitimacy of what's going on. But the second and I think more interesting layered part of Taurus that we get is that remember that in this episode, we find out that her father was actually murdered by the Tal Shiar for speaking out against the government. And so we, we see that she has a little bit of that, um, I don't want to say rebellious spirit, but I think devotion to duty with an eye toward what is actually right to do, right? She's not blindly devoted to the Romulan Empire. She, like, she carries out what they want her to do, but she's also smart about it. 
and uh, she right. definitely does not like to tell Shiar. That is really super clear yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. You will not tell me what to do. And, and you know, a lot of our fans, I think, picked up on the fact that Troy is able to overpower this personality of Taurus to convince her that she actually is a member of the Tal Shiar, which I think is, is great. I, I think that's one of the great things about this episode is they set up Taurus as such a powerful character, and then they show how Troy is able to overpower the very powerful character. Brilliant. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a great episode. And, uh, hey, guys, we got to take our final commercial break of the night, but we're not done. We still have a lot to talk about as far as Face of the Enemy goes, and we also have the Defector to can to uh, discuss. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear this very awesome message from somebody who's very close to me. Don't touch that dial. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But your time is finally here. You can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way. And they're not gonna hold you down no more. No, they're not gonna hold you down. Cause we've got faith, that's your call. We wanna hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe. In just talking today, you've got faith. In your fingers, all you gotta do is down now. You can reach us right now. We got faith. We got faith. Faith that you call. So I, I I really like the scene where um where Nevik is tells Deanna Troy well. Um, you know, you're going to do it my way and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know what? If you don't shut up and don't do what I say, I'm going to go to Taurus and tell her you're a spy. And then we'll blast you out into space. And Nevik's like, wow, dude, you really got uh-huh. it all going on there. And I think uh-huh. that's when Deanna Troy kind of realized that she could throw her weight around as a tall Shiar and people would have to listen to her. And they did. Well, and what? And it's interesting because the one thing that they kind of mention in the episode right at the beginning, remember, when she's talking to Nevek and figuring out what's going on, he's all about, like, oh, you're an empath. You should be able to talk to these people and kind of figure out what's going on with them because you can feel what their emotions are doing. But they don't really touch on that throughout the rest of the episode, and I kind of wish they had shown a little bit more clearly how I think Troy's ability to read other people's emotions, like Tereth or even like Tuttleox, and figure out what, uh, sorry, he's not in this episode. <laughs> I'm thinking of a different episode. But yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Like she, I would have liked them to have shown that part of it just a little bit more, like how her powers or her abilities uh, allowed her to kind of really lean into the role. Yeah, I, I thought she played a, a, a great Romulan in this one. Charles, what did you think about Face of the Enemy? Well, I was looking up some details on it, and this is the first episode that we get a slight peek in the Tal Shiar. And you get a hint of what this group is like. And I think we get 
little snippets of them in DS9 and Voyager. But this is a bit relevant. This is actually important to me as I just finished Dark Veil. And Dark Veil brings on a Romulan ship. And on board the Romulan ship is a Tal Shiar agent who's basically there to spy on the captain. And you get a real good idea of how ruthless these Tal Shiar agents are. And I think this one reminded me of definitely, it's like, yep, that's, that's, a, that's how it's, yes, Deanna, you are acting like a Tal Shiar should. And it's just incredibly how mean and ruthless these this these this group of people are. Definitely yeah, enjoyed the episode. Yeah. That she's definitely. Very I good. think I would yeah. love to have gotten more how vicious that's how she are really is. Yeah, she she was a commanding presence because when uh, when she was on the bridge and she relieved Taurus, uh, you know the the crew was like, well, we got to listen to her, and they they obeyed her yeah. orders without question. So I mean, yeah, it they shows, definitely rule through fear. <laughs> it that's the thing is it shows how their society rules through fear, which is which I think is a theme that we actually see carrying all the way through to Picard, right? And we see kind of the ramifications of what it means. And and especially in the Picard book, I think, Charles, you you were talking about the books, you know, in the Picard book, we get a bit more about the Romulan society and kind of how it's, it's breaking down, uh, you know, during that time pre, pre the Picard show, um, which I think is, yeah. is very interesting to show the vulnerabilities of Conducting your society like that, right? Ruling through fear is not a long-term solution. And how secretive they are. That's right. You don't, you don't enter the house to the front door. You enter the house to the side. That's right. And uh, Eric, scale of 1 to 10, where do you fall with our fans? Uh, this is a pretty good episode. I don't know that I'm going to put it up above 9, but I will say that, uh, let's see, I'll give this one an 8.5. I feel like it's a very excellent episode. Um, it's not one that comes to mind as like a top 5, but it's probably a top 10. Uh, how about you? What do you think? What do you think, Charles? 1 to 10. I'm going to go right about where the fans are and go with a 9. Definitely one of the better shows that they came up with. And I really good job of focusing on Deanna and Romulan. And that's perfect. That's exactly where I would be, right around the nine. It's a great Troy episode. It gives Marina Sirtis a chance to really dig her teeth into a role. It gives us an opportunity to get a closer look at the Romulans, who are always seem to be lurking around, you know, every nebula and every asteroid field, but we never really, really get a good, good glimpse at them. And then this episode comes along. And I think it's a great Romulan episode, and it's a great Deanna Troy episode. So I'm with you. I'm going to – yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it a nine. Absolutely 
Give it a nine. And guess what, guys? We have a caller on the line. If I can get the phone to answer here, which it's not doing. Come on. Come on. You can do it. There we go. Hello. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where you're calling us from tonight? Uh, my name is John, and I'm calling you guys from upstate New York. Um, I, I, I thought I saw all the Star Trek uh, Next Generation episodes, but I don't remember this one. I was actually looking into it. I mean, Spock is on there and everything. I just don't remember this episode. But uh, I, I do have a question for you guys, though, if, if you could help me. It's about Picard. Um, it, it seems like Patrick Stewart in uh, the Picard episode, the, the new Picard uh, uh, series, he seems a little senile to me. Do you guys get that vibe? He seems like he's compared to his personality in, uh, when he was on Star Trek Next Generation where he was a strong person. It's, in Picard, he just seems like he's getting senile. Now, I don't know if it's his acting or if it's real life, but he just seems like a much weaker person. Do you get that vibe? Well, it's interesting well, because I think one of the things that Jim brought up earlier in the show was that Picard is a different kind of show, and it is about a man who has kind of been through his career, and he's at a point in his career where he's contemplative, right? He's looking back over things that have been done, and he's deciding whether or not he feels like the things that he's done have been right. So I would say that there's a different tone and a different um, – way that Patrick Stewart actually portrays the character. You know, he's not the super hubris-driven uh, captain, super confident, you know, uh, everybody listens to him no matter what captain that we got from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And I think that they did that on purpose. I think they didn't want to give us exactly the same character. They wanted to show us an evolution of that character past what he was as a captain and show how, you know, regret actually plays into some of uh, what's going on in the Picard series. So I would totally agree with you. I think he is a different person. I don't know about senile. I wouldn't read it as that. I would read it as um, uh, someone who's actually more contemplative and not really decision-driven, right? We meet him at the Chateau. We don't meet him on the bridge of a starship. Um, so it's an entirely different environment. He's 20-something years older. You know, he's like he's supposed to be like 90 years old, I think. So definitely don't read it as senile, but there's no question that he's a different character than he was in TNG. And, and something about the actor of Patrick Stewart himself, which I wasn't aware of, but Leslie and I talked about it on our Sunday show, Stunt Trek. The reason why Star Trek Picard is not filmed up in Canada like all the other Star Trek shows are being filmed in Los Angeles and Hollywood is because Patrick Stewart refused to go there. He wouldn't leave the country. And the reason why he wouldn't leave the country is, is something that I didn't even know. And that is that Patrick Stewart was abused uh, as a child by, I don't, know if it was, I don't remember if it was his mother or his stepmother, but Patrick Stewart um, has a um, uh, psychiatrist that he talks to in Hollywood every week. And to help him deal with these feelings and this anxiety. And Patrick Stewart did not want to leave the country and not have access to his doctor. And so that's why Paramount decided to film the show in Hollywood instead of in their brand new studio up in Toronto. So we have a lot going on with the character of Captain Picard, as Eric said. And we also have a lot going on with the actor of Patrick Stewart. And I think all of those things go together 
to give us the version of Captain Picard that we see on the show. Uh-huh. So I, I hope we were able to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you. Yeah, I, I can see why you're saying that it's a different Picard. It's just yeah, it's a definitely a different Picard. But uh, my, my, yeah. Yeah, it's a different Picard. I was just wondering if if he's doing acting that way on purpose. Because to me, it seems like he's a very weak character now. A lot of the decisions that he make makes on that show doesn't seem like how a leader does it, the decisions of a leader. And the way he acts, it just seems like he's slow. But then again, he is 90 years old. So. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, he, thank uh, you for taking my call. And, and yeah. don't yeah. forget that he... Uh, He's not the captain. Rios is the captain. Um, he's just along for the ride. Uh-huh. So Rios makes the real decisions where the ship is going to go and what they're going to do uh, based on what uh, on what Picard wants them to do or thinks they should do. So um, he's not Captain Picard anymore. He's uh, he's um, I don't know what you he's. Um, Don Luke, you know. But he's John yeah, Luke. Exactly. Post Admiral Picard, and you know, it's we have not. There's no precedent for this kind of a thing. Like Picard is the first time we've ever gotten this kind of a long look at a character twenty something years later. I mean, you could you could argue, I guess, that you know, as you follow the progression of the TOS movies, you get an evolution of all the characters and kind of how they age and change over time. But this whole like idea of actually going back and revisiting some of the concepts from TNG in Picard to show how Picard actually regrets what happened and wishes things had gone down a little bit differently. We don't have another show that has ever done that before. So it's a little weird. It's, you know, it's a little different from what we've had in the past. Sure. Yeah. And it's going to get even weirder now that, uh, he's, I mean, can I, can I talk spoilers on your show? I mean, it's, well, it's the season's over. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that he's dead and he's an android, I mean, the upcoming seasons, it's, maybe he's going to be more powerful, I, I guess, in the upcoming seasons now that he's not a human being anymore. So. None of us has any idea what Android Picard is going to bring to the table. Uh, I think that we that we all know that he's eventually going to die because that was established at the end of season one. But I agree yeah. with you. I think there's some new territory to explore there, and I'm excited to see what they do. Yep. Well, I, Thank I'm you excited for taking my about call, it guys. because you bet. Thank you so no, much for calling. You, you said uh, oh. you said you're in upstate New York, correct? Yep, that's correct. I'm right? in upstate New York. Yep. How, how far upstate? Where, whereabouts in upstate? Uh, by uh, the Buffalo area, Niagara Falls. You know that area. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I've 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 been up there many times. Have you ever Have you ever traveled down to uh, Trek-Conderoga and Ticonderoga, New York? Uh, is that around, um, t- t- uh, I think I have, I think that's around where I live, um, kind of Wanda, some, somewhere around there in that area, right? Well, that's, you know, that's, that's um, around where... I, I don't know if they're going to do it because of COVID. So you'll have to keep your eye on the, on the, the website, but they, they do a convention in Ticonderoga, New York every year, barring COVID called Trek Conderoga. And they have the original Star Trek set tour, which if you've never seen it, to walk on to the Enterprise is just outstanding. And uh, they always have uh, a lot of really good guests there. Last time they did it, I got to meet Ethan Peck, Mr. Spock from Discovery. 
The year before that, I met I met Gates McFadden and um, Carl Urban. So they have some really good guests there. And I'm there. <laughs> you can meet me and Leslie Hoffman. Okay. And we usually have a table there set up, and sometimes we do a live broadcast from the show. So if you're looking for something fun and unique to do, think about heading to, to Conderoga. They usually do it in August. And, uh, you know, spend some time on the Bridge of the Enterprise and stop by and say hello, and, and uh, we can meet face-to-face. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah, thank you very All much right. for calling. Have a great day. Yep, Bye-bye. So, guys, um, we have one more episode to talk about here. We're going to talk about the episode, The Defector, and I'm going to play the clip for you guys real quick. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Please, you must help me. An archenemy defects to the Enterprise. Got a traitor. I came to stop a war. But can he save them from a death trap? You're a spy, aren't you? Or will he lure them into a full-scale massacre? Shall we die together? Find out on Star Trek The Next Generation. So The Defector is the 10th episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation and the 58th episode of the series overall. It was originally aired on January 1st, 1990. In addition to his regular role as Captain Picard, Patrick Stewart also played the role of holodeck character of Michael Williams from Shakespeare's Henry V, Act 4, Scene 1, in the opening scenes of the episode. In 2019, Screen Rant ranked this episode's character introduction, Admiral Jarrock, as the 10th most important Romulan of the Star Trek franchise. Later that year, they noted that The Defector as one of the top 10 most important episodes to watch before you watch Star Trek Picard. In 2020, Sci-Fi recommended watching The Defector as background on Romulans for Star Trek Picard. They noted this episode highlights the layers of trust and mistrust between the forces at work inside the Romulan Star Empire. In 2020, Vulture.com recommended this episode to a company viewing Star Trek Picard as well, noting how it established the Romulan aliens' lust for power and their tendency for deception. Dun, dun, dun. On a scale of 1 to 10, we asked our fans to score this episode. Charles, what did our fans have to say? Well, Michael R. Cook gave an easy, easily a 10. I love the interaction between the Romulan Admiral and the Enterprise crew, especially Picard. David Mike Perry says 10, one of my favorite season 3 episodes. Top fan, Danny Samuelson, 10. It shows that there are Romulans with different opinions. Melvin Cunningham, given 8. Roland D. Groot, given 9.5. Fantastic episode. Top fan, Tim Tincher, gave it a 10. Which gives an overall fan rating of a nine point. Very, very impressive, actually. Yeah. So, as I I hinted to you guys last week when we were talking about this, this has one of the most memorable endings ever. This is the episode where the Enterprise is outgunned by two Romulan warbirds, and Tomalak <laughs> shows up and he's being his usual 
pain in the ass, self. And uh, Picard says to Worf, hey, hey, Worf, uh, give the Klingons a buzz. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, three Cavort-class Klingon battlecruisers decloak, two behind the Romulans, one next to the Enterprise. And Picard's like, hey, dude, you still want to do this? We'll die together. And Tomalock's like, hey, see you later. This ain't my scene. Cloaks and flies away. It's probably one of the most memorable endings of any Star Trek episode. And uh, everybody knows that ending. They just don't know the episode that it's from. It's from this one. So Admiral Jarek, um, I think he, he also reminds me. I think he's a conflicted Romulan. He also reminds me of the, the Klingon, of the Romulan commander from Balance of Terror and the fact that doesn't want to see another war. Yeah. Uh, kind of like Mark Leonard's character. I don't want to see another war. I want to avoid the war. But, but if there's going to be a war, he's not willing to help the Federation win the war because he's not going to give them any secrets and he's not going to give them his ship. So he blows up the ship. And he's not going to give them any information. So he wants to stop the war, but he doesn't want to help the Federation win the war if there is a war. So he's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm a traitor, but I'm kind of not. So he's kind of in the, in the gray area there. But it's an outstanding episode. It, it really is a good, good episode. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I this one is definitely one of my highest rated episodes, and I think for exactly the reason that you were just talking about, Jim, in that you don't get a clear answer. Like he he is conflicted about whether he's doing the right thing. I mean, you find out um, that he had a family, right? And you get this awesome speech during this episode where he's sitting with Picard. Uh, and he's talking to him, and he's like, when you look into the face of your of your child and you realize that you want to change the world because of what you see in her eyes, like that to me is just such a powerful speech, and it goes to show why he's doing what he's doing, you know? And, and, and Jarok is not, you know, he constantly says throughout the episode, he's like, I'm not a traitor. I am not like going to betray the Romulan empire. But essentially what you were just saying, Jim, I just don't want a war. And this is why I'm talking to you about this. And then, and then you get that through the whole episode and they're building his character through the whole thing. You find out how much he has sacrificed to get all the way to this point in time. And then what do you get, man? You get the perfect Shakespearean tragedy where at the end, all of his efforts are in vain it was all about a test to figure out whether he was loyal or not, and he ends up dead at the end of the episode. And that, to me, like, this episode is a Shakespearean tragedy from beginning to end, and it's so good because of that. Um, his character, Jarek's character is so good, how he's, it, like, the way that they weave in the story of, um, sorry, King Henry, what was it, Henry V at the very beginning hiding among his men. And then later on, you get that parallel with Jerok and how he is like, actually all of his men were hiding amongst him, right? Fooling him all along, trying to, to misdirect him and test his loyalty. Ah, oh, it is so good. This episode is so good. You guys, it's right up there. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. You get you get a lot of Romulan um, insight in this episode. Uh, Charles, what did you think about this episode? Well, you get an interesting reaction because they have to communicate with Starfleet. And the Starfleet communications, because of where they're at, are hours old. It takes hours for communication to get to them. To get an idea of where they're at is nowhere near close to Star Star Trek headquarters. So that it takes time to sit there and it's like, okay, we've got to make a decision. Yes, it's going to take hours to make a decision because the decision makers aren't far away. But we also get an idea of how deceptive the Romulans can be to their own people. Let's lay a trap and see if somebody will take the bait and be disloyal to the Star Empire. And he took the bait and was willing to, and not to realize that he was being deceptive. He's sitting there trying to say that I'm trying to help the Federation to realize that he's not helping the Federation. He's just helping the Romulans. Yeah, I think that's it. And the Romulans will sit there and and the Romulans will sit there and say, "Hey, we laid a trap. We got the Enterprise." I can now take this prize with me. Yeah, that to and me is find what out makes that Picard, him... Yeah. Then we find out that Picard had been laying a trap of his own. Mm-hmm. And that when he... You hear a spot in the episode where Worf's taking communication and he's going to a lower deck to answer that communication. You don't really realize, well, why was Worf sitting there being assigned, taking a priority message to find out that it's all part of the plan for Picard to protect himself in case it was a trap. It's interesting how we weave all these webs to try getting to the answer. Yeah, the very first time you watch this episode, you may see or you may hear that offhand comment about the Bordis, and then uh, Worf leaves the bridge to kind of deal with it, and you you don't know you, you kind of you don't even pay attention to it, right? Because it's kind of this offhand right. thing that happens, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, even this that episode, that the... I, he did that, and it's like I don't remember. It's like, well, okay, I don't remember Worf doing anything with that, and it's like, oh, that's right, yeah, it's all part of that woven plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, what's interesting, as Jim was saying, that is one of the most memorable episodes ever, I think, uh, or not episodes, but like moments, the very end of this episode, where you get the three cavort classes decloaking um, and helping out the Enterprise. Did you know, guys, though, what's interesting is that the IKS Bordis, the attack wing ship, is actually a Vorcha class. So when WizKids decided to release a themed pack about this episode, they actually made one of those ships a Vorcha instead of a Cavort. So totally different class of ship, totally different look. I think that's kind of interesting. Well, <laughs> you know what, what was interesting about this episode too is that Admiral Jarok, if you, if you recall, was a hero 
to the empire and a villain mm-hmm. to the Federation because he took, I don't remember the name of the campaigns, but he was involved in some campaigns along the border that killed hundreds and thousands of people, uh, Federation yeah. personnel, that to the Romulans, he was a hero. To the Federation, he was a villain. And so, and we don't find this out till later on in the episode when he finally, um, you know, reveals who he truly really is. Yeah, and right. that's one of the cool things about it is that, you know, much like the episodes that we were talking about last week with the kind of Federation distrust of the Romulans, Picard distrusts Jarok through this entire episode. And it isn't until the moment that Jarok's actually standing on the bridge and they're all talking to Tumblock and they realize that it's all been a ruse. That it isn't until that moment that Picard actually trusts Jarok. So it's kind of interesting because I feel like they're correct in saying that this is one of those episodes that you want to watch leading up to Picard because I think it's all of these little incremental interactions that Picard has with the Romulans where he kind of gets the same mentality as Spock, right? He realizes that the Romulans are an honorable people. They just have some bad folks in positions of power that once those folks are out of there, this culture could really take off. This people could really be who they want to be. So, yeah. So what would you score this episode on a score of 1 to 10? Uh, this one for me is a 9.5. It is right up there in that in that upper echelon of best episodes of TNG ever, personally. Much like the anime. How about you? What about you, Charles? Uh, I'll go down about 9.4. It's still up there. And you know, I'm going to go with a 9.5 simply because of the ending. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it, it really is so good. It's one of those... <laughs> One of those endings that you just don't ever forget. Well, you just smile because you know? you're like, oh, Picard had it in the bag all along. Like, all along, you're wondering, God, why is he proceeding into the neutral zone unprotected? And then you're like, nope. He knew what was up. He knew exactly what could happen, and he brought some backup. And, and this is another one of those episodes where, thank God, worse not the captain, because things would have ended up differently. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know? Worf's so like, true. Captain, we should attack and Picard yeah, we like, should no, blow that was just a little up. love tap. It <laughs> was just a little love tap, Mr. War. <laughs> oh my god, it's so true. But you know what? Well, it is one of those episodes that as a result, Jim shows the growth of Worf and what he learns while he's on TNG to become the the man that he is on DS nine. So it does yeah. show his growth. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I love Worf, he's my favorite. So I'm he's just so saying awesome. that this is <laughs> yeah. the last episode we that we talked about, Worf was like, Attack them, Captain. And then here we are in another episode later, and he's like, attack him, Captain. And both times he was wrong. (laughs) No, don't attack. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, that wraps up our episode this week, guys. I hope you had a good time hanging out with us, talking about the defector and face of the enemy, some Romulan discussion, our birthdays and our news and our fan shout-outs. I hope you guys had a good time with us. I really appreciate having you guys along for the ride. Uh, Make sure you tune in next week if you're into Star Trek Attack Wing. If you want to learn the game, if you're thinking about the game, maybe you never heard of the game before and you don't know what it is at all and you want to learn about it. Uh, We're going to have one of the uh, game designers for the brand-new Star Trek Attack Wing game, Dominion War Alliance uh, campaigns. I believe it's part one, I think, perhaps. Uh, We're going to have Josh Durkin here who designed the game to talk to us about it. So if you have any questions or comments, you want to give us a call next week. It's, it's a show you don't want to miss. 
And please head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, A-N-D, Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're listening from. You see a little heart next to your name. That means I picked your name, and you'll be given one of our fan shout-outs on a future show. So we'd love to mention you. And uh, if you're not busy on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, set that on your calendar to visit myself and the one and only Leslie Hoffman, who was on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager. She was a stunt double for Bellana Taurus. And uh, who knows what we're going to talk about. We always have some fun talking about all kinds of stuff. So you can hang out with us on Sunday evening from 7 to 8 o'clock. And, again, you can give us a call on that show, same number, 646-668-2433. And if you have a question for Leslie about how long it took for her to become Bellana Taurus, how long did it become a Cardassian, what was it like to work on Star Trek, anything like that, uh, give us a call, and Leslie will be more than happy to answer your questions. So we're wrapping everything up, so i got to say thank you so, so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Had a great time, guys. Thank you. And, of course, we couldn't do the show without my very own right-hand man, Charles, thank you for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight, Charles. Oh, thank you, Jim. It was always a fun show. It always is, and it flies right by so fast these two hours, don't they? Just boom, they're gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, thank you to each and every single one of you guys listening around the globe. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you and uh, giving us a call and saying hello to us. We really like that as well. And, um, yeah, so please visit us on our Facebook page. I'm your Uncle Jim, and I want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Live long and prosper. And hailing frequencies are closed. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.